Welcome to the experience. Sharing insights into the future of customer and employee experiences with Avaya. Welcome back to another episode of The Experience, brought to you by Avaya, where we're bringing you thought-provoking conversations with industry leaders, technologists, creators, influencers, and others who are all bringing to life the future of experiences. I'm Steve Forkham, and today's special episode features a panel discussion in honor of Black History Month. Join me now as I speak with Avaya employees, Roger McDaniel, Service Provider Channel Sales Manager, April Owasu, Solutions Marketing Specialist, and Ariel Wilkins, Public Sector Marketing Manager, about supporting and celebrating Black History Month. I want to take a few minutes for each of you to introduce yourselves to the audience and tell them a little bit about who you are and your journey at Avaya. My name is April Owusu. I am part of the Solutions Marketing Team. I started at Avaya about three years ago. What you're saying, Steve, resonated with me with stories and experiences that matter. And my first interview with Avaya was to join the Sales Academy back in 2019. And one of my interviewers who also managed the Sales Academy, her name was Jasmine. She was another fellow Black woman in business. And she interviewed me as part of a panel. I remember being really nervous for that interview because I'd never done an interview that wasn't one-to-one. But her presence being there was really relaxing, and it made me excited for the potential to work at Avaya and work with someone like her. I started out in the sales academy. When COVID hit, we transitioned what we were doing, and so I became part of the digital sales team, and that lasted until last year, and I transitioned over to the marketing department. That's great. Ariel, you want to go next? My name is Ariel Wilkins, and I'm the marketing manager for the public sector within Avaya. My journey started with my father. My father was in the Army, retired from the Army. And coincidentally, he was a telecommunications specialist when he joined the Army. He and I have a lot of conversations regarding telecommunications as he served 28 years and retired from that field in the military. Because of that, it led to my desire to be a public servant. I served in the Air Force for a number of years. And then ever since getting out, I've actually worked for either state agencies or organizations that support the federal or state and local government as a public servant. Working for Avaya, specifically on the public sector team, I feel like this is what I've been doing my entire life. It's something I enjoy doing. I feel like I'm giving back to our country. Thank you. Roger. I have a longer history than most of them. I started with AT&T a while back. I've done every job there was. I was an inside salesperson. I was a territory salesperson. I was a sales manager. I was a sales director, AT&T, Lucent, and Avaya. I've sold a lot of stuff. And like Ariel, I would say out of the 22 of those years were in federal or public sector sales. And you'd feel good when you help some of these agencies out. And when you working with the VA, that was my biggest customer, my favorite customer. You go in those hospitals and you just feel like these guys have done so much for the country and then they're coming in and they can barely make it there. It impacts you and you want to do everything you can to make them happy and to serve. We used to go to the Paralyzed Veterans games all the time. And if anything changes your life, that will change your life. 
when you go to see those guys and they can't move from the neck up, but they're participating in things. It's fantastic. I love what I do. I have one partner that I have as a channel partner, and it's like sister and brother. Avaya and Verizon fight all the time, but I love what I do, and I wouldn't do anything else right now. I think it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. I love the analogy of sister and brother. You made me think of my siblings. We may fight with each other, but external threat comes unified front. As we celebrate Black History Month, with its purpose highlighting achievements by African-Americans and recognizing their central role in U.S. history, who are some of the most influential African-American men and women who have paved the way for you to be where you are today and why? For me, it starts with my parents, where my mother, my father, and all my extended family. They were always very positive and they set excellent examples for me and professionally as well as in the community. They were very community-oriented people. My father coached, my mother was a then mother for Cub Scouts and all that kind of stuff. And then as I got into the business world, there was always someone who was a VP who kind of took me under the wing and said, well, you know, if you want to do, you want to do more at AT&T or Lucent or Avaya, then I want you to take on these responsibilities, look at these different things. So there were people that I worked with closely that were influential. Also in the outside world, other than the normal ones that you hear about, like Martin Luther King and things like that. I also looked up to people like Arthur Ashe, who was someone who very strongly identified as a Black American. And he also was one of the people who brought it out to the forefront that things aren't fair and aren't equal in the sports world where you got a lot of people who watch tennis. And he was one of them that I looked up to. Muhammad Ali was another one I looked up to. There's always someone who you think is a really a good role model who don't necessarily turn out to be excellent role model. So I don't have anybody in the entertainment industry and politics is another one that I'm really not looking too much into as a identifying force. Although I did like Shirley Chisholm when I was a kid. They talked about her a lot. She was the first black woman in Congress, but she was definitely the first one I ever heard of. So I kind of looked up to her as a role model. April? Starts in the family. I am quite younger than a lot of my cousins and I have a lot of cousins who were really high achieving as I was younger. So they went to like Ivy League schools and then grad school at Ivy League schools and then went on to be successful. And so I grew up with that as my benchmark. I didn't go to an Ivy League school, but I did well for myself in college, but it's always been a motivator to do well in what I'm doing and try and strive for the best. And when it comes to notable figures outside of work, I look to a lot of creative artists, musicians, Beyonce's up there, Naomi Campbell. They're people who are really black with what they do. And they're, again, some of the best people at what they do, race aside, and specifically they're women as well. It's very inspiring to look towards them for motivation to keep on doing whatever I'm doing, whether it's work, whether it's creative stuff outside of work, how I express myself. Ariel. I'd say similar to Roger and April, the individuals that set the foundation for me were my parents, my father, just seeing all the work that he's done and my mother in the community and the focus on education and just learning 
is probably the biggest thing that they've shared with me, the desire to want to learn and to keep learning. And it's funny that of all the people, one of the individuals Roger also said was Arthur Ashe, because for him, every time someone mentions his name, my eyes light up a little bit. He seemed to play a role within my family because three of my uncles actually migrated to the United States on tennis scholarships. There's a lot of tennis players in my family. He played somewhat of a role in that. I also um, tend to navigate towards those that are first. There's so many individuals we can choose from, but those that were first. And I'd say Benjamin Davis, who was the first African-American to become an Army General in the United States. And then also Bessie Coleman, who was the first female pilot. From my childhood, I leaned towards that because my father was in the military. And so I leaned towards those things. But then I think on the political side, I'd like to say John Lewis and Elijah Cummings, which many are familiar with, and more so from where they started to where they ended. For me, it's a story that the long fight, the continuous need to keep fighting and not giving up for justice and equality. I was just in D.C. a couple of weeks ago, and my wife and I went to the Library of Congress and we watched Representative Lewis, the video that he filmed. And it's just powerful. I don't know how anybody uh, of any walk of life can't watch and be inspired by the man and what he endured, what he believed in, and a brighter future. He's inspiring. You guys have some great ones. I love the fact that they're all grounded in family as well. I think that's a tribute to all of you, frankly. Sharing stories. We've all kind of shared some stories here about who inspired us and, and why. It's one of the ways that we show others what can be achieved. Everything's impossible until somebody shows it's possible. At Avaya, we talk a lot about experiences that matter and how our customers can leverage our software to do that for their customers. I think that's the same type of description for some of our relationship with our channel partners. There's the sometimes the bickering internally, but when there's a, a competitor threat, unified front, we lock arms and go in. That's great. All of you are involved in Avaya's Employee Resource Group, or ERG, ABLE. What would you be able to share about what ABLE focuses on, and can you share more about what you've planned for Black History Month, whatever you're comfortable sharing? Are there any activities that you're involved with that elevate awareness at Avaya? When the ABLE group was formed, Avaya Blacks Leading Empowerment, it was during the 2020 George Floyd issues. The first four months were just getting people together and giving them freedom to express themselves doing the work without fear of repercussions, without fear of retaliation. That was the very first thing. And it really motivated me to want to be in the group. And like April, Jasmine was one of the people who really motivated me to continue and push forward with it. What I see now is that we have an opportunity to continue that as we move forward. One of the things that we're doing that we're hoping to do is to get one of the governors who was recently elected, a black governor who was recently elected to speak during the month. We haven't gotten it confirmed yet, so I can't say anything about it, but that's definitely one of the things we wanna do. And the, the Avaya corporate of Avaya United is also helping with publishing things on the Avaya homepage about Black History Month and recognizing specific people who have had contributions to the United States or America or the world as a whole. That's great. April? As Roger described, sort of the origin of ABLE here, one of the things that's really helped me through ABLE is 
being able to see other people in Avaya that look like me, that's been really important um, coming in as a younger person here at Avaya. So it was very nice to get connected with people who were in different departments, who've had different levels of experience, different backgrounds than me. In 2020, it was a great place. Now it serves as a nice network for me to be able to reach out to people in different areas of the organization and keep tabs on other people who may have moved on from Avaya or even just switched within the company. It's been a great way to be connected with a community, be connected within a community at Avaya that's not just marketing or sales when I was in sales. The fabric of community, even within a community, I think is important. Mm-hmm. And you touched on a few things there that I think are powerful and important. I use the word again, but I think it's important that colleagues are able to kind of unify around that kind of common need or common feeling or common group. Ariel, do you have anything you want to add about your experience with Able? Similar to what April said, I really enjoy being part of the group. I think as a company and as probably like other companies as a result of COVID, we are as dispersed as we are diverse So the fact that we're not all in one location where we can see each other and meet as a whole, having the platform that Avaya provides for us to be able to network and work together from our remote locations is really beneficial. And as April stated, for us to be able to see the different roles that we have within the organization and discuss challenges that we're facing within the organizations and things that we're seeing outside and discuss how that affects us and how that affects not just us, but others in the workforce. I think ABLE has given us a good platform to actually hold those discussions and see how we can further our cause. Diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, they've become somewhat of a buzzword as of late and Sometimes when that happens, the impact of what the core is gets diluted. And Avaya, among other global companies, are committed to creating a diverse environment. Ariel, you mentioned about diversity. We want to create a diverse environment that's equitable. What does that look like for each of you? Equitable to me means that the level playing field, that's the most important thing, and that there's transparency in actions, in activities, in opportunities. When you have that, then people feel more connected to the company, feel more connected to each other. They feel like there's a fair shake going on. I think that with Alan coming in and the way he's made his appearance and made his statements about Via United and diversity, I think we're moving in the right direction. Personally, Avaya has a long way to go, as far as I'm concerned. It has done one of these 20 years ago. It was way up here. For those of you who can't see, Roger's basically saying we're on a roller coaster ride. Hopefully, we've hit the bottom and we're doing the hockey stick back up because that's where we need to be. And one will tell because, you know, people vote with their feet. If it's equitable, people will stay. If it's not, they won't. I think equity, I saw it, a friend shared with me what equity really meant versus equality. Because the equality was the first buzzword and everybody kind of strived for that. And then a friend of mine who had a a disabled child showed me an illustration that really outlined what does equity look like? And it's when all three of us can look over the fence and watch the game. Equality is each one of us gets a stand. So I'm standing higher than anybody else, right? Creating that level playing field, as you pointed out, is just so important. And especially in a workplace, 
April, do you have anything you want to add on what this looks like and what an equitable environment kind of means to you? I think like DEIB, a lot of those words are pretty nebulous, especially in a corporate environment. What first comes to mind is just the experience of getting in the door, not having to worry about, does my last name turn someone off from my application? Does my perceived image because of biases impact my ability of getting opportunities? And it's honestly hard to ever say that's going to go away. I think the easiest tactic to getting that fixed is just having other people who are representative of a community in the space. That's kind of how it was for me joining Avaya. And like Roger said, I think there is work to do to kind of have that reflection uh, throughout the company, but that goes industry-wide, probably corporate worldwide, that there's work to do. I would say equitable, like you mentioned that. I could picture that image clearly in my head. I've seen it before. It's just giving everyone the tools to be able to actually be on that level playing field that people really hope for. I agree. While progress has been made, and I'll tell you, within my team, I have more ways to go, right? April, you're a member of my organization, and we've got work to do. It's important to me that we create that level playing field, but also really lean into diversity overall. So I'm not going to tell you that we're where we need to be. There's obviously, as a team and as a company, more work needs to be done, and even as an industry. So what do you think are some of the steps that the tech industry as a whole could be taking to make workplaces more inclusive environments? And let's start with April. A couple things come to mind with products, with recruiting, with I've seen from people that I know who are working in the corporate world. It's a little bit tough because I'm still really new to the tech industry, but there's a lot of products out there like AI comes to mind where a lot of those things are reflections of humans. And so there's the same biases that we see with people um, that would be ingrained in those when it comes to tech industries, be the engineering side of it. It's just remembering that you need to have everyone in the room when you're creating these great AI devices or, yeah, I think that's kind of the first thing that comes to mind. And then with recruiting, like go to those HBCUs or have more diverse outlooks for where you're recruiting from to just get younger people interested in tech. And I know tech is a really big, buzzy industry right now, so that's great, but I think there just needs to be that equity that we were talking about again. For example, in Austin, the tech industry, granted the city is kind of like this in general, but the stereotype of someone who works in tech is usually they're a young white guy. Where do we get the stereotype to be broken? Someone like me works in tech. How does that become something that's a little bit more normal to see? And I think that starts in college, starts maybe in high school, getting people interested in the specific industry, but then also making products that are also not reflecting that same bias. I think your point about outcomes reflecting the creators, you know, whether that's people or whether that's technology, when things like AI are birthed, if we don't have proper representation at the creation moment of it, it, we end up with inherent biases within it as well. And it's something to definitely wrestle with as we look at the accelerating pace of AI. Now we've got two, you know, Mm -hmm. large language model, artificial intelligence that are 
<laughs> borderline sentient, people think. Mm -hmm. They're obviously not. But it's something I think we've got to really confront as an industry very quickly. Roger, to you, what do we need to do to make the workplaces and our industry more inclusive environments? HBCUs are, they're not the only place where there's black engineers and programs and things like that. But if you want to hit a higher possibility of finding some, that would be a great place to start. For me, the tech world needs to have a conscious effort to say, we're going to recruit, we're going to hire, we're going to mentor people so that they can get into these roles and not lip service, which is what you typically hear. So that's got to be follow through. I have children, some are still in college, but some of the others are not. And it reflects on what they chose to do in their life as well. If there's not an opportunity, I don't want to do that. I want to go to something I know is going to be safe and I, I'll get a master's or a PhD and I'll go into psychology or social work or things like that. And it's like you leave in the tech world, which is where 2025, 2050, that's where the business is going to be. You know, so you don't want to be left behind. I encourage Avaya first, everybody else second, to recruit people who look like me, who have an interest in doing high tech programming, engineering, things of that nature. And you can find them. It's not that hard to find them. You can throw a stick and you can probably hit 50 of them in D.C. without any problem. It's a fair ask. Ariel, what do you see as steps that could be taken? In a previous question, you referenced diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. And for me, the one that sticks out the most is belonging, because I feel that without having the diversity in an organization, and seeing others like yourself, you don't feel like you belong if you don't see others similar to yourself. And then with equity, even though there's others within the organization like yourself, if you don't feel that you're at the same level as others or viewed equitable, you don't feel like you belong, like as a group, you don't belong. And then with inclusion, if you're not involved in the key decisions or individuals like yourself not involved in key decisions, then you don't feel like you, you quite belong. Belonging is, is something that sort of encompasses all of that. Often within the organization, I look back at my daughter, who's 10 years old, and for the most part, she doesn't see any of that. So I'm always taken back and reminded to look through her eyes how things look, how things should be, and how things should be viewed before coming to the reality that things aren't often as diverse, equitable, inclusive and as they should be. Within the workplace, I think April and Roger mentioned it earlier, the fact that if, if you're not involved in the process, then the solutions that large corporations come out with aren't tailored to everyone. They're more focused on a certain economic group or certain areas of individuals based on either status race. And then the solution is not truly equitable and therefore can't be leveraged by everyone. Having an equitable workforce, a diverse workforce, an inclusive workforce really helps everyone as a whole versus just one group. Definitely agree. I really appreciate all three of you joining to share your stories, you know, as we're celebrating Black History Month. But before I let you go, is there anything that I didn't ask or that you'd like to say before we wrap up? Why don't we start with Roger? I actually feel like Abai is going in the right direction. I'm very optimistic about where we're headed, and I'm very happy to have this forum to speak today. People like Ariel and 
in April are going to be leaders in Avaya, hopefully sooner rather than later. And I look forward to seeing their accomplishments moving forward. So having April in my organization, I can tell you she is already outperforming expectations and she's got a very bright future ahead of her. So with that tee up, April, is there anything? (laughs) Well, thank you very much for that. That means a lot. No, no, I think it was really good to do this. And I'm really glad that you had us all on today, Steve, to just talk about Black History Month and what it means to us sometimes outside of work and living and paying bills and all that jazz, you don't really get the time to stop and reflect about these types of questions that we were asked today. So it was nice to do that. And especially, of course, in the month of Black History Month, do that and kind of reflect on my heritage and kind of my place in the world, my place at Avaya and how other people have experienced their Blackness. So thanks for giving us the floor to talk about that. Absolutely. Ariel, anything you want to add? I would say that I'm glad that organizations like this or that the organizations realize that these groups need to exist within their organization. Just had the thought or remembering one of my first jobs working for the Department of Health in the state of Texas. I was actually part of a group like this, and that was over 25 years ago. So the fact that these groups are still around is a good thing. The fact that they're still needed isn't quite as good, but I do think that we are moving in the right direction. And what I mentioned earlier about some of the individuals that I've looked up to is that it's a long road and you just have to keep persevering, keep fighting for equality, justice, diversity, all of the above. But I think we will get there. I love the optimism at the end. Roger, April, Ariel, I want to thank you for joining us today. I really appreciate having you as teammates and I really appreciate you joining and sharing your stories. So thank you. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Thank you. I want to again thank Roger, April, and Ariel for coming on the show and sharing how they celebrate Black History Month and the power of uplifting and supporting diverse voices from within their community. If you're enjoying the show, please be sure to rate and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm your host, Steve Forkham, and this has been The Experience, where we share insights into the future of customer and employee experiences. Mm -hmm.